0: Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show episode 231. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for our breakdown of the latest trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home. But first, let's talk about what we're going to be talking about over on Fan Show Plus. That is the podcast that is available for premium subscribers at patreon.com slash seangerber. You can just hit the link in the show notes or over at Apple Podcasts. If you search for the MCU Fan Show channel, on Apple Podcasts, or just search for Fanshow Plus on Apple Podcasts. You can find it there. And on the next installment of Fanshow Plus, we will be talking about Delroy Lindo joining Mahershala Ali in Blade, as well as the news that Natasha Liu Bordizo is going to play Sabine Wren in the Ahsoka Disney Plus series. Those topics and possibly more are up next on Fanshow Plus. And then make sure you're following us in all the places you can. We are at MCU Show on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're enjoying the podcast, we would greatly, greatly appreciate, be ever so thankful this week for a rating and review from you over on Apple Podcasts. And we are very, very thankful, extremely thankful for those of you who have already taken the time to share your thoughts on Apple Podcasts. And now on with our show. How are you doing, Paul Herman?
1: Well, I am doing just fine. It's uh, been a little bit of, uh, since we last recorded, and uh, I am been eager to talk about this trailer. I, I, I went and teased it very early on when the trailer dropped that I was going to obviously save all of my exclusive thoughts for my Spider-Man uh, love um, and, uh, in general for the, for the MCU fan show and anytime a trailer or a movie we're going to discuss, we are going to discuss exclusively on the show. So I went you know, straight to the stores on Twitter and said, hey, everyone, I'm not discussing anything. Obviously, you're going to have to wait, and we're going to have a, a grand old time breaking this mother down. So I can't wait to get into it.
0: Yeah, I got a, I got the chance to share uh, a couple of thoughts. I, well, a couple. I, I probably went on for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, maybe less than that, uh, because I recorded the Most recent episode of Fan Show Plus, not the new one that will be out later this week where I'm talking about Delroy Lindo and Blade. And of course, we have somebody, Natasha Liu Bordizo, playing Sabine Wren in the Ahsoka Disney Plus series. That's coming up on Fan Show Plus, which you just heard in the intro, but I think it bears repeating. But on Mm. the previous edition, as I'm plugging away here, Mm. I got to share my initial thoughts just after, I don't know, after only seeing the trailer maybe two or three times and uh, went on my opening ramble about it, but didn't do the full breakdown. Saved that for this episode of of MCU Fan Show, so we could talk about it in full mm-hmm. detail in the way that we do. Where you give us, uh, I mean, if you give us a two-minute trailer, we'll probably go for an hour. You give us a three-minute trailer, who knows how long yeah. it will go? This does not represent a commitment for this episode to last longer than an hour. I have no idea how long this episode <laughs> is going to last. We will find out. So I'll just start before we get into like the nitty gritty. I liked this trailer more than I liked the last one. And Mm -hmm. that may seem fairly obvious because, well, this trailer has a lot more than the last one did. So there's more things to like in this trailer than there was in the first one. But at the same time as some will recall, I wasn't overly impressed with the first one. There were a lot of things that I liked about it, other things that maybe I wasn't such a huge fan of, and now I kind of feel like some of the concerns I had from the very first one are still real, they are still there, but those concerns are eased a little bit, and we'll kind of explore where those are at as we break down the trailer. But just my overall impression, I came away from this trailer Way more excited for this movie than the first one. What about you, Paul?
1: I'm with you on that one. I think this trailer gave us a way deeper sense of what to expect. And we'll get break into, I think, what the premise of the actual movie is. I'm not sure if they released one yet. Again, I avoid that stuff usually anyway. But... This one it definitely gave us a real indication of what exactly is happening. There was, I think, obviously there was a lot of uh, assumptions, um, and I think those are fair assumptions. Don't get me wrong, of where they're going to take the character, and, and myself included. And this trailer kind of surprised me of what exactly is going to happen. And I went, "Oh, okay." And again, I avoid leaks. So if you're one person who's like, "You, you didn't know this, man," because of blah blah blah, I, I avoid leaks. I avoid everything. I don't know anything that's going on besides obviously the major, 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 major leaks have been going on. You can't, you can't even avoid at this point. Um, but regardless, I, I was surprised a little bit, honestly, about where this was going and what they revealed, to be honest. And it was really illuminating to me. And I I really liked where they were, where it was going. It does feel, um, as a Spider-Man fan, and as a diehard Spider-Man fan, as I, I claim to be, I, you know, we're getting a much different film compared to the previous two. Um, and if you want to go even further than all the films before Spider-Man, we're getting a different, a very different kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know Tom Holland went on record to say this is like, you know, Endgame or, or, you know, the Spider-Man's Endgame, you know, basically, or I'm not sure if it was Tom Holland or John Watt, one of the two. And I definitely felt that vibe. From this, I mean, it's obviously not going to be in the, the, that, that kind of epicness of, you know, scale, I'd say completely, but it definitely gave a, a real, there was, this is a different movie. You know, this is very much a different kind of Spider-Man movie than we're used to seeing. Um, unless you want to count in, you know, into the Spider-Verse a little bit, which is still a much different movie. Um, so it was a very for all. And obviously, there's a lot of die-hard Spider-Man fans out there who maybe not love where this is going. As I mean, but at, at this point, the Spider-Man hype for you know for Spider-Man films in general, Sean. I've I've never seen a movie like this for any Spider-Man movie. Maybe 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 the first one, but it's such an early, even then early internet days of the stuff. I'm not sure if you can even get to that point or even compare it. I've, i I because for me no way home and or excuse me, uh, homecoming and far from home. They all had hype because of joining the MCU and what they could mean, but no way home is like a a level I've, I have not, was not expecting. I was, I'm surprised it's gotten to this point and I think it's awesome, but it's really surprising. And I, it's obviously for, there's a number of different reasons why people are stoked about this movie, but I mean, Spider-Man is obviously a giant Marvel character and it, it makes sense for he's, you know, be this much hype or close to this hype, but the the level it is at right now that I can see on Twitter and I, and I gauge a lot of that stuff from Twitter. I'm assuming that's what it's like outside, you know, other realms of Twitter. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I'm blown away of the hype levels of this movie. You know, it's just crazy, but I, for one, for me, I was really, really stoked to see this different feel of a Spider-Man movie, which is definitely what we'll get throughout the entire movie, but, or for the entire trailer. But there's lots of great things to break down in this, but as a whole, I'm really excited. Um, it's, it's not exactly what I was anticipating from a story standpoint, at least from what we're getting. Mm-hmm. And that's really exciting. So there's lots of amazing things that break down in this, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed what we got, even though it is obviously a much different kind of Spider-Man movie.
0: Well, what a difference, a little bit of extra information makes really yeah. is what it comes down to in this trailer. Because I think going back to what I was concerned about in the first trailer, although this trailer Pretty much skips over that right like the whole execution of the botch spell thing which still kind of drives me nuts when i watched that first trailer for no way home but uh, they skip that in this one we did dr strange gives a recap at some point in this trailer just been like yeah hey, you botched the spell and here's what happened but what really helps is him talking about what's actually happened here and i think going back to the fair the very first trailer And maybe that was just too much of the post-Loki mindset where we saw what happened with the sacred timeline just completely splinters off and the multiverse is born and Mm. everything just goes crazy at the end of Loki season one. And so that's our concept of the multiverse. And then, of course, what if and, and all of the things that we had been introduced to in the run up to that first trailer So when we see the botched spell, it makes it seem like something cataclysmic has almost immediately happened as a result of Spider-Man and Doctor Strange and the botched spell. But that's not what's happening in this trailer. Doctor Strange, through his dialogue that we get in this trailer, really narrows the focus of right now there are some people coming through from every universe, as he points out, so far, from two universes. I don't know where he's getting every universe, but so far, uh, we see people from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, uh, Sam Raimi, Toby Maguire, Spider-Man universe, and then, of course, from the Mark Webb, Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man universe. And, and possibly more may show up at some point throughout or multiple points throughout this movie. We really don't know, but this is what we've been shown so far. And all of these characters, part of the reason they're here here it would seem, or such as Doctor Strange's theory, they are here because of their connection to Spider-Man. And so even though you have this very, very big story that in many ways looks and feels like the biggest Spider-Man movie of all time, or maybe I should qualify that biggest live-action Spider-Man movie of all time, Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse is pretty big. Mm -hmm. But if we look at it from that perspective and say, well, it looks like it's the biggest one, it does, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the biggest MCU story that's ever happened. Right. Or right. one of the biggest MCU stories that's ever happened. I mean, in some ways, yes, but in other ways, not so much because it is somewhat contained. But then the danger, of course, is if they don't fix this problem here and now, then it will become the massive, multiversal, cataclysmic event that threatens to destroy everything. And the fact that the consequences, or not fact, but the based on that idea, that the consequences are not as immediately severe after the botched spell makes it a little easier for me to stomach the whole issue of them botching, the, of even wanting to do the spell and botching it in the first place. I'm like, well, it seems like maybe the outcome won't be so bad at least immediately as a result of that, and they might have a chance to fix it before they do any permanent harm to anyone. At the same time, if any of these bad guys like Electro or Lizard or Sandman or Green Goblin, like if they kill anybody as a result of the botched spell, then that kind of falls on Stephen Strange and yes, Peter Parker. I know he's a kid, but he's old enough to know better. So it falls on them at least somewhat. And I don't know how they're going to reconcile that in the movie, if that's what happens. But I don't know, maybe Peter says he can't save everyone in the trailer. Maybe he'll somehow find a way to do it. Save everyone but himself and making a sacrifice, and I'm sure we'll talk about that as we uh, go on in this breakdown. But I still have some concerns about how this all kicks off, but it looks like uh, there might be ways for them to handle that that I won't necessarily bump up against as as strongly in the movie as I, I thought I was going to just based on that first trailer. But let's go ahead and go through the uh, the details of this trailer. So we start with well, I'm I'm skipping past the, like, we start with the highlight reel of the trailer we're about to see. I don't know why yeah. everyone does this. I've, I've seen people calling out Sony for this. They're not the only ones. I don't even know that yeah. they're the ones who invented this. This is just a thing that some people do. I don't know why. I don't know if they feel like it, it are. Is there a concern that people aren't going to watch <laughs> the actual trailer? Is that why this is? There There has to be somebody who's done mm-hmm. the analytics, crunched the numbers somewhere in the marketing department of these studios, um, more than one person, who, and they all seem to agree that, like, this is what we have to do in order to convince people to watch the trailer. I don't know that that's true, but maybe they got numbers to say otherwise. I don't know. Anyway, getting into the actual trailer, not the trailer for the trailer you're about to see. We start with our bloody, unmasked Spider-Man, and we get via uh, voiceover, and then we cut to that scene of him explaining how Ever since he got bit by that spider, there's only been one week where his life felt normal, and that's the week uh, that MJ found out. Before, of course, Peter Parker was outed as Spider-Man, and then Doctor Strange, as I mentioned before, recaps the last trailer that the botch spell uh, to make people forget Spider uh, forget, uh, make people forget Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Ever since then, they started getting visitors from every universe. Every certainly can't be taken uh, literally uh, in, uh, in this explanation from Doctor Strange. But then we cut to the bridge fight that we saw a little bit of in the previous trailer, and it's from far away. We'll get a much better shot later on in the trailer, but this is where we get our very first shot, actually. Not just hearing a cackle, not a pumpkin bomb, but we see Green Goblin on the glider Yes, it's the Power Ranger suit, I get it, and I know that uh, nobody was a, a huge fan of it in 2002, although I think, Paul, the the disdain for that suit grew over time. I don't remember mm-hmm. people being so angry with it in 2002, but I also think that had a lot to do with us just being so happy to have a proper mm-hmm. Spider-Man movie in 2002, mm. but... Curious to get your thought. Let's just talk about the the uh, the appearance of Green Goblin in this trailer with the classic costume Mm
1: -hmm.
0: amongst the surprises for me and my own reaction to this. I didn't expect all the nostalgic warm and fuzzies that I got from seeing that costume. costume. Nah, I did not expect that because I, I was never I didn't have, as I said, I didn't have some intense dislike for the costume in 2002 but I didn't totally love it either. But I think it's just that visual and taking it back to that movie with Spider-Man in 2002, which was just such a huge part of that journey as Marvel fans, as Spider-Man fans, superhero fans of just getting these movies where there was, it it felt like our time had arrived when Spider-Man was coming out. I mean, it and to a certain extent, yes, X-Men in 2000, but Spider-Man felt like the full-on arrival in 2002. Yes. Little did we know there would be this thing called the Marvel Cinematic Universe that would start yeah. six years later. We had no idea about that, but that movie was important and still remains historically oh, yeah. oh. important in the mm-hmm. history of superhero movies, Marvel movies, Spider-Man, and everything else. And so all that came flooding back to me in I don't know why. I mean, I, I've just explained why it did, but I also didn't really think it was going to have quite that effect that I, sure. I thought I would be trapped just in my own brain of like, oh, yeah, it's cool. It's it's Green Goblin from Spider-Man 2002. But no, I was genuinely emotionally moved by the sight of Green Goblin here. I, and I, I don't fully understand why, but I don't think I need to. I'll just feel it.
1: Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're totally onto something here because I... I have a very interesting relationship with this first Spider-Man movie. I mean, obviously, it's a big deal for me. It was my favorite character of all time. My my favorite fictional character of all time still today has has always been, even over anything in Star Wars, Spider-Man is my absolute favorite character. And that was a big deal for me to get in this Spider-Man movie. And obviously, Green Goblin looked cheesy then. He always will look cheesy. But here's what I, my, my theory is on this. One obviously nostalgia, but mainly I think what it is is Defoe's the performance always transcends even then. Right. transcended that costume. So when you hear Defoe through that, that's one reason why we all go, okay, cool, it's it's accepted. We we know it's it's ridiculously stupid looking other on anybody else, but with Defoe, you know, through it and talking through it, we accept it because Defoe is amazing and. It, I, I'll be honest. I'm not sure if I said it on the show recently, but I when I rewatched it, um, I rewatched all the Spider-Man movies in 4K uh, a couple like last year or something like that. Um, I I've always loved Spider-Man Two over the first Spider-Man movie. Always, just always have. And I I swear in my life, I watched him recently, and I said, you know what? I think I like the first one better now. I don't know what it is, but. There's something about that Spider-Man 2 is, is a phenomenal. It, it was important, I think, for the for the uh, that type, those types of films. But I think this first Spider-Man movie just has a better flow and just functions better as an overall film. I think Spider-Man 2 kind of gets clunky in parts, even as I rewatch it more and more. That being said, that my issue was always that costume, but I always still liked it because of Defoe's performance. I think when he shows up in this trailer, it's nostalgia. But I also think that there's a couple of things I've noticed, and, and it'll kind of steal a little bit when they get more up close version of it. They muted the green a little bit, um, at least that I can see, and at uh, least I can tell anyway. It doesn't. Obviously, in the in the first Spider-Man movie, he's like bright green. You can't miss him out of anywhere. He's like, you know, well, wow. And it feels like they muted his color a little bit. It almost looks like the end of. Uh, Spider-Man the first movie where he's like all dirty and and I actually really like the way he looks there to be honest Um, and it looks more like that he's obviously still green and there's a little bit of a brightness to him but he's not as bright and I feel at least for me when I look at the trailer on my TV and all the times I've watched it I just feel like they've kind of muted it a little bit and I think also I'll be honest here too uh, I think I think it looks better as a CGI now than it did in live action uh you know with william defoe in a real suit where everyone loves practical effects i gotta be honest i think it just it fits that cgi kind of flow a lot better and i think we accept it so i think when you put defoe nostalgia uh a mute a, a, t- you know, a little bit more of a muter green on it and i think with a, it looks better maybe in cgi than in practical as far as for us to accept that as a real costume. It actually really works. And I got to be honest, I think it when I saw that up-close shot later on in the trailer, Sean, I I thought it looked really good. I'm like, man, I actually really accept this as like a legit costume, not just like, oh, there's a Power Ranger villain, you know, costume on, because that was part of the problem. When you put a practical suit on someone like that, it did come across like a Power Ranger villain. But in this... It doesn't have that same impact, at least for me. So I'm not sure if I'm the only one who thought that or am I hitting something with you on that? I don't know. I didn't
0: really notice a different shade of green, but I I think that I think the main issue with the costume, it wasn't even really the suit itself. I think it was more the helmet, right? Because Mm, the Mm. helmet was static and Green Goblin
1: Moves his mouth, yeah. Whether
0: it's a a comic book panel, which I know is a static image, but you imagine it moving, but an animation, right? Green Goblin is a very animated character, a very, very expressive as far as what you get from the face of that character. And so with Willem Dafoe, you got the voice and you got the eyes, but you didn't really get the mouth movement or anything like that because it was just this static helmet. So I think that was kind of the issue, but also... That was what they had at the time. Like, they wouldn't have had the CG to do the goblin mask. And also, the goblin mask doesn't make sense. It it really doesn't, as far as it just being a cloth mask that he puts on, and yet it fits him perfectly and makes him look like a goblin. It doesn't really, (laughs) you know, I don't know that there's a fix for that in the way that they found one when they brought Spider-Man to the MCU of, let's go ahead, we can actually make his eyes move uh, for the MCU. And because Green Goblin does get another look in this trailer,
1: mm-hmm. we
0: only see it very briefly. It's not like we get a chance to see it in hyper detail, but the Power Ranger helmet is gone. And so I think that's kind of, and it's not, it doesn't appear to be replaced by something that looks significantly more like the comic books. And it might just be Willem Dafoe's face with goggles or or whatever else uh, he has going on. I'm not entirely sure. So it's interesting that there is kind of an acknowledgement of this doesn't necessarily work anymore, so we're going to bring it in and let you see it, because that's how it all started, and we want to be true to that, but we're also going to go ahead and move on from it and have a little bit more of, a don't want to say an upgrade necessarily, but just providing a little bit more of a modern look for Green Goblin in this, and I'm totally fine with that, because they're still showing, at least initially, the original costume. And I'm sure there will be a story reason for it, right? Like during this bridge right. battle, the original Green Goblin suit is going to get busted up, and Norman Osborne is going to go back and tinker with it and come back with a modified suit that we will eventually see later on in the movie, is my guess of how that's going to unfold, at least in a very general sense. I don't know specifically of everything yeah. that's going to happen. But I think you really have to go back to... I mean, I, I think it's the the visual of that. It's connecting to those emotions. And I, I think, you know, it's interesting. You talked about the reaction to this movie, and I agree with you. Like, the hype around Spider-Man No Way Home feels like unlike... It just feels unlike anything that I've experienced yeah. for a Spider-Man movie. Now, a huge part of that, though, is social media and the way we're so connected now. The internet was around in 2002. But for those who are old enough to remember, like we were scattered. We didn't have like one or two or three like centralized social media sites or apps that we were all a part of, or most of us were a part of. You were really more, it was just, we were broken up into different segments, depending on which websites you read, which, and not just the ones you read, but which ones had message boards that you actually signed up for and read and maybe participated in. And so when I went and saw the first Spider-Man movie in 2002, I didn't actually feel like I was part of some larger networked fandom. I knew that there were more, I mean, the theater was busy, so like I knew that there were people who were interested in this movie just like I was, but it didn't feel like it does today. Um, that said, historically, I think a, a huge part of what, maybe what's uh, creating those emotions for me, and and I can't even imagine what it would be like if we end up seeing Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man at some point in this movie, we do not in this trailer. But if that happens, and even without that, just Green Goblin, I think it's the it's the connection of these two things, right? Because the spider that first Spider-Man movie in 2002, in many ways, felt like a dream fulfilled. And it was a dream that we knew we had, because we knew we wanted it for all that time that we were growing up in the 80s and 90s, wanting these movies, and then just not having them and, and having to settle for fan casting on uh, in Wizard Magazine every month. So that was the superhero genre for the most part in the 90s and then we were finally getting this new thing in the 2000s and it felt like the realization of that dream. And then the MCU came along and became the realization of the dream we didn't know we had or the dream that would have felt greedy if we dared to dream as big as the MCU has become over the past 13 years. And it's the connection of that. I think it's the connection of and and it's A very literal connection of you're taking a piece of that 2002 Spider-Man movie and how much it meant and bringing it into the MCU with how much it means to us. And it's just incredible. And look, there is no MCU without that Spider-Man movie in 2002. There just isn't. You can can point to Superman the movie. You can point to Batman in 1989. You can look at Blade in 98, X-Men in 2000. But none of them financially anyway, And granted, there's inflation that uh, comes into play as well. But there was just nothing in the league of that Spider-Man movie where it came out opening over a hundred million dollars domestic, went on to make over eight hundred million dollars globally, and you have to consider that box office sum in the in its own historical context. This was when you didn't have superhero movies making hundreds of millions and do- uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, in China. That wasn't happening in 2002. That movie market wasn't anywhere near what it is today. And, uh, of course, the overall market, like you didn't have IMAX wasn't as big of a thing. You didn't have all the premium format theaters that were a huge part of boosting the box office totals of a lot of the films that you have today. So, it was really just going off of the word of mouth, the excitement around that movie, and it set the brass ring out there. Where this was the big move, this was the type of money you could make. The modern equivalent of of Spider-Man 2002. I don't even know what it would be. Well over a billion dollars uh, compared to making 800 plus million in uh, in 2002. And ever since then, that was where a, a lot of things changed. I mean, within a few years of that is when Marvel had their own studio. Like, hey, look at what's happening with Spider-Man. We should probably start keeping this stuff to ourselves. Uh, and then, of course, mm-hmm. we get Marvel Studios. The Marvel Cinematic Universe. So the historical significance of that film, and um, I'm glad that you're now on, on the side of uh, liking Spider-Man over Spider-Man 2. I've always felt that way. I've always preferred the yeah. first movie to the second movie, but I've also always acknowledged that a lot of that comes from my bias for Spider-Man's origin story, which I think is the greatest superhero origin story of all time. Sorry, mm-hmm. Batman. Spider-Man's is the best, no doubt, uh, in my book. And so it's my love of that origin story, the character I've always just favored that film from the Sam Raimi era, and so that connection, as well as the historical significance of it and how it helped lead to this franchise that we love so much, all of those things must have been informing the emotional experience that I was having watching Green yep. Goblin, which is why here I am talking about, like, 15 minutes of uh, Green Goblin uh, yeah. and seeing him in this, but um, we also got some other stuff, like a, a very early look at Electro and Spider-Man in the black and gold suit, but I'll I'll punt that for now Yeah. talk about it a little bit later in the trailer when we get better looks at it let's transition to spider-man 2 dr octopus who we Mm. saw in the flesh in the last trailer and we even got the hello peter uh sequence that we saw from the first one except we follow through on this one to where spider-man is unmasked and uh, dr octopus realizes you're not peter parker or at least he's not the Peter Parker that Otto Octavius knows. And let's talk about that name, Otto Octavius. This is my one nitpick of the trailer, Paul. I didn't like that they were laughing at the name. I, I yeah. didn't care for... I I understand being irreverent. I understand not taking things too seriously. But I also feel like that's a great name, and uh, it's classic Stan Lee alliteration, and so uh, it deserves respect. Uh, and i not like... I'm not terribly offended that the kids giggled at Otto Octavius, but it just wasn't my favorite part of the trailer. Um, and I also just felt like as jokes go, it's too easy. It's too easy yeah. to have the kids laughing at a silly sounding name. So I could have done without that part.
1: Well, it, it, it's what I thought was maybe he was referring to like, well, no, what's your, what's your, what's your, you know, your real name? Like what's your, like, it's almost like the reverse of infinity war. Right. Where he's like, Oh, we're using the real names. And I felt like it was a reverse of that. Like, Oh no, tell me what your real name is. Like, Dr. Octopus like that's what he's looking for you know and it but felt I, that
0: way until they just straight up laughed at it at the end
1: right 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 and I, I I'm still I, I'm with you I want to see it more in context like if and again I think it's going to play out probably what we expect it to but I still want to hold out and wait to see if like they're if they're going to reference like no 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 we want to hear your supervillain name like that's what I, I'm still waiting for that line afterwards and I don't think we're going to get it, but I'm still like, um, I'm not sure. So we'll, I'm I'm going to give a wait a little bit for context. But right now on the surface, you're right. It's kind of like, really, we're going to laugh at names when like you're in like a guy's name is Dr. Strange. That's right. his real name. I mean, come on. I mean, it's I don't know. I mean, it's I'm with you on that one. I mean, are, I, are we going to laugh wait. when
0: we get to Victor Von Doom? I mean, there's going to be a lot of this kind of stuff. I mean, I know Otto Octavius yeah. sounds... Look, it is a silly sounding name that is super on the nose for a guy who is Dr. Octopus. I understand all the reasons why you could laugh at it. But you know what? Uh, It's worked okay for almost 60 years in in the comic books. So, uh, you know, I'll put some respect on on that name, even if those darn kids won't. Yeah, um, dumb kids. We get a shot of the it looks like the Statue of Liberty that's getting uh, modified in this. And it becomes I think it becomes the set piece for one of the larger action sequences in the film where they're adding a Captain America shield to the Statue of Liberty. And there's even a sign that has a Statue of Liberty holding up the shield of what the finished product is supposed to look like, uh, talking about the Statue of Liberty perhaps being the newest Avenger. I like it in terms of honoring Steve Rogers. I mean, it just shows mm. that in this world, the character is perceived as dead. And, and so uh, that being a tribute to him, I don't know that they would actually modify the Statue of Liberty for it. But hey, in the MCU, they'll go for it. Uh, and it sets up, uh, it becomes a cool, uh, very cool setting for an action set piece later. So I don't really have any issue with it. Uh, but now let's talk a little bit about uh, Electro and the black and gold Spider-Man suit because we get the shot where it's Electro is behind Spider-Man in the distance and we see the black and gold suit and there's something coming out of it, the forearm of that suit. And I don't know if that's supposed to be how, if that's meant for him to battle Electro specifically and all of his electricity powers or it kind of looked more, looked like it comes more from that mastery of the mystic arts sort of thing. It felt mm-hmm. a little more Doctor Strangey to me. And maybe that device that Peter steals from Doctor Strange or tries to steal from Doctor Strange later on in the trailer uh, plays a part in the development of that suit. Because that was kind of how it felt. I don't know if this is like a multiversal suit of like, this is like the Ghostbusters thing. This is the proton pack of he has to catch people with this suit and send them back to where they're from in the multiverse. I really Mm. don't know. Um, But uh, it was, I, I love the look of that suit. And normally I favor just give me the classic blue and red, but... I also like the black and red in Far From Home and now the black and gold in No Way Home. I'm digging the new suit as well as the Electro redesign.
1: Man, I love the black and gold suit. I, I'm I'm kind of not a purist when it comes to Spider-Man's costume. Obviously, he's got, I think, one of the best costumes in superhero history. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that's debatable, really, but it's crazy to think about For me, as a fan of Spider-Man for so long that the black suit was like his only alternate costume for a long time. And now he's got five jillion different ones, thanks to like different universes and video games and whatnot. Action
0: figures. Action figures. When the Toy Biz line blew up in, well, there were some in the 80s, but then mainly in the 90s. And that also coincided with the Spider-Man animated series that was running all the time. And yeah, all of a sudden you got a lot. And the comic books kind of picked up on some of that as well. Yeah. You started getting a lot more Spider-Man suits. So I am accustomed to it. And it's not like I only play in in classic uh, Spider-Man colors when I play the Spider-Man PS4 game. I was going crazy in all those suits.
1: Well, it... it Spider-Man had variations of, like, a super—you know, they had, like, the arm—there's that Iron Spider pre—you know, obviously from Web of Spider-Man, I think at 100. There's other iterations, like Cyborg Mm -hmm. Spider-Man from Eric Larson's series, where he's got, you know, a metal cast for an arm and and a little glass eye thing. And there's, like, Ultra Web Shooter Spider-Man. So, yeah, there's different variations of Spider-Man. Don't get me wrong, but— um, but yeah, it's weird, you know, 20, 30 years later now, God, I'm so old, uh, that there's so many different versions of the costume and that gr- that great PS4 game that came out that we all love, or a lot of us love anyway, like me, uh, it's really great to see all these different iterations of the costumes and for, you forget like, oh yeah, there are different iterations or you know, whatever. But it's very, I have, and I've liked all, most of the costumes that we've gotten from uh, Spider-Man movies. Uh, my only thing is they haven't really deviated much from the costume really if you if you want to count night monkey that's fine whatever but with this one i really like it i feel like they took some liberties with it and i'm really really fascinated to see where they go with it because for one i love this costume i love Mm -hmm. the black and gold motif i love that it's it's there's a mystery to it again I yeah it's cool as hell dude like listen I it's so cool. I have two action figures or two toys of it already. I've got a 12-inch <laughs> tub toy and I have a the giant fun code Target exclusive. I, I I had to buy them. I'm like, I have to get these. Like I, I have to. And now they're right by my desk. And I freaking just I've fallen in love with it. I know there's there's some concept art that leaked for it, and it's got had originally had some red in it as well. I like that one all right too, but this one I think is definitely the best. I am extremely intrigued what this costume is. I almost feels like is that box that he has, is it like a symbiote that comes over him and like, it becomes like his new suit. And that's why he's able to have the powers around his costume. I I don't know. I I don't remember if he had it in in another shot, but um, I'm really intrigued what this means and what exactly this is uh, represents. Obviously we see in the previous trailer, uh, Peter takes off his mask and is running through like a, a crowded room of some kind. So You know, I, and again, we'll get into that here in a second because I've got some questions about what exactly is going on in this movie at this point with this costume. So, because I I guess I'll say it right here, Sean. It might as well, you know, bad way to bring this up. But, you know, my impression is, you know, he takes off his mask and he's running around. And I'm assuming that in that trailer, in that part of the movie, everyone knows he's still Peter Parker. But what's interesting is when, when I see this trailer now, I'm starting to think, is this like, again, is this true? I, I thought maybe the, the, the spell worked, but this is the repercussions of that spell working. These different things are coming in. And then I'm like, well, wait, why did he take off his, his mask off in a public place like that? If it was not, if that was the case. And then I started thinking maybe it won't go in effect until he gets rid of these other people. I don't know. i so My mind starts racing. So I start thinking like, The secret identity, I think, has to be established at some point. If It's going to stay in this universe, which I think maybe is the other other thing to think about. Yeah,
0: I I feel like he's on the way out for a bit at the end of this movie, is what I'm thinking anyway. I don't know. But also to that point, though, uh, botching the spell. Well, they completely botched it. They didn't get what they wanted, and everything's messed up anyway. Like, there's no... There, there's no good part of it. Like, well, all these villains are here and, and that's kind of a bummer, but hey, at least I, I got what I wanted and my secret identity is back. I don't think Peter got anything he wanted out of that spell. Yeah, I, I don't really know what the nature of this suit is exactly. And and what's kind of interesting about it, you mentioned how the suit's not that different. And that's what we've mainly seen from a lot of the the suit redesigns mm-hmm. is that a lot of the line, the the overall shape and a lot of the line work as far as the eyes, the webbing, a lot of that's very, very similar. And, you know, the biggest changes really are the color scheme. Everything else, the overall shape of it feels pretty much the same. And so that's what kind of has me wondering. I mean, you could say, well, it's, a, it's still a completely different suit built from scratch. And Peter just likes the shape of the suit this way. And that's why he keeps designing suits that way and I would accept that, but I also kind of wonder if this is something that just takes an existing suit that he's wearing at the time that this whole process starts, and it just kind of washes over it with some sort of master of the mystic arts, sorcery, magic type of effect. I, I don't really know, but the the end result is that suit looks really cool, and Electro looks really cool. I didn't hate blue Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, The design of the character wasn't really amongst the top failings of The Amazing Spider-Man 2. But I do like this look for Electro. And there's a shot of Electro in this trailer where just because of the way the electricity is like going into slash coming out of his face, it actually kind of creates for a split second the classic Electro mask. So that was cool. Um, So I, I like the I like the redesign for Electro. And we haven't spoken too much about uh, Doctor Strange just yet, but there's a great exchange where Doctor Strange is—he's—we get the voiceover of him explaining it, but then summing it all up when we cut to the scene where he is, where a lot of this voiceover is coming from. He's saying, you know, there are others out there. We need to send them back. And then it, it cuts to him telling the kids to Scooby Do this crap. And MJ rightfully points out that this is kind of Doctor Strange's mess. Uh, talks about you know magic words like please, and so he says please scooby-doo this crap above all else really i just like that mj is the one calling him out of saying this is kind of your mess Mm -hmm. peter parker is definitely not blameless and has to shoulder a lot of responsibility for whatever happens as a result of botching this spell for sure but as people have rightfully pointed out and as i think mj is rightfully alluding to here Doctor Strange is still the guy with all the magic and mystical powers, and he is the adult in the room, so regardless of what Peter wanted, regardless of Peter uh, sort of hedging with what exactly he wanted as Doctor Strange was trying to cast the spell and distracting Doctor Strange and causing the whole spell to be botched, regardless of all of that, you never get that far if Stephen Strange says, no, Peter, we're not going to cast a spell to make people forget something we're just not going to do it. Understand all the reasons you want it, but it's dangerous and we're not going to do it. And it's ethically questionable whether or not we should be allowed to steal people's memories just because it's really hard for you that they know this piece of information. So I think MJ was, was right to call Dr. Strange out. And I think we're going to get into some interesting morally murky territory with Stephen Strange here, which I don't know that we've gotten a ton of in the MCU up until this point. But, I mean, we we certainly got it in What If with that version of Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. but we haven't gotten too much of it in the prime MCU, sacred timeline, whatever this is now. But we are here because it's not just the spell. It looks like there is uh, certainly an argument between Peter Parker and Stephen Strange, which is why Peter Parker is trying to steal that box from him and then Doctor Strange is chasing him to get it back. At one point, we see him uh, knocking Peter's astral form outside of his body to try and get this box back, whatever this is and and whatever it does, because it sounds like like Stephen Strange is making the argument that Peter has to kill these guys, that they all died fighting Spider-Man. This is their fate. So in order to set things right... Peter has to do one of two things, or and maybe I'm totally wrong here and just misinterpreting what's happening in the trailer. But it sounds like there are two options. One option, maybe if this is uh, if this works within the rules that they define for us in this movie, would be for Peter to actually kill these guys: Otto Octavius, Norman Osborn, all of these other characters who have come through who died fighting Spider-Man. They must now die fighting Peter Parker, Tom Holland's Spider-Man, or there's also talk about sending them back well if you send them back to a place where they're dead even if you're not the one striking the killing blow they're alive here and now you send them to a place where they're dead so effectively you're still killing them and maybe that is where Peter Parker is is having this issue because uh Outside of Final Battle Endgame with Chitari and, and whatever and everything else is flying around, and soldiers and everything else, and monsters that he's fighting, uh, instant kill mode is not really Peter Parker's thing. So it's going to be interesting to have this debate. And for Stephen Strange, he looks at it differently. And maybe he's not looking at it from that micro level that Peter Parker does. And what makes Peter Parker so great is he is in many ways, even though he's web-slinging through the New York City skyline, he's also very much on the ground as a superhero. And for Stephen Strange, it's, I think it's very easy for him to lose sight of that. And so he's looking at the big multiversal implications of it all and thinking that this is their fate for these characters, Dr. Octopus, Green Goblin, Sandman, whoever else. This is what's supposed to happen to them. And you have, uh, and so that's why it's okay for them to die or be sent back to a place where they're dead, which is effectively killing them. All of that is okay because all of that is the true and natural order of things, whereas Peter is, is viewing it quite differently. So this debate that these characters are, seem to be having in this trailer, I'm interested. To, I'm very interested in seeing the expanded version of that in the, enti- mm-hmm. in the full film
1: well and i think that this is going to be i think one of the more interesting aspects of the movie besides like all the, like, the excitement everyone's getting you know about the villains from different universes and whatnot to me i think in the end what the story and i think i think the success of the movie long term besides the initial like you know surfacey stuff that we're all excited about i think this is to me is what will i think drive it home because if, if the surfacey, the surfacy stuff can only last so long 'Cause it's superficial by nature, right? And again, you need those things to mix with the the meat of the story. And the meat of the story has to be good. And I'm very intrigued because we've got villains in this movie. That's obvious, but I think like you've touched on something that's very interesting, Sean, that the the morally you know ambiguous questions that are kind of being tossed around here as far as like what Peter will have to do, what Doctor Strange is saying he has to do is very interesting. And I think that it really, t- it, we're talking about the morality of, of Spider-Man and that's at stake at this point. Like that's what the, the movie's about. And Dr. Strange is very black and white, you know, pretty much. I mean, like, look what he did in Endgame. He pretty much said like, this is it. This is all we got. And this is the one, I, I went and looked through all the possibilities. This is all we got. So here we go. Um, And I don't know, I, I feel that there is there is going to be a a moral to the story. And I think it's, I mean, it's, I think uh, to me, it's obvious, maybe it won't be, but, or I'm totally wrong, but obviously it seems like we're going to be getting some kind of, you know, the options are always laid out for us. And sometimes you have to make your own destiny. And I think that to me is what's very much what's ahead of, you know, what's going on because Spider-Man obviously is about guilt, you know, it's about failing and not do living up to what your responsibility is. And I feel like right now, like Dr. Strange says, your responsibility is this, but really Peter has to make that responsibility for himself and what he chooses, what he thinks is right. And that's not always going to be the, the most apparent option for people. And he's got to do what he feels is necessary. And I think that to me is what Peter has to, you know, grow up as you have to make adults, as, you know, make human uh, decisions as an adult that sometimes aren't very fun or sometimes you have to kind of think outside the box where everyone expects you to do the right or do the certain thing when it's not, you know, when really it's not the right thing to do. And you know that, even though everyone is telling you around you that your respect is the right thing to do. And that happens you know, on very small scales to all of us at one point. And I love that idea because obviously Tom Holland is supposed to be playing a high school you know kid as a superhero. And I feel that what Dr. Strange is giving him is even more uh, serious co- consequences of these actions that we're talking about. So I, I'm really excited about this story. Like, I, I mean, and I think to me on on the surface, all the fun stuff I'm really obviously the most excited about. But to me, I think as a longevity of of a good quality movie, I think this is to me what I'm most excited about as a Spider-Man fan is seeing what the superhero is telling Spider-Man. Here's your options. That's it. When Spider-Man knows, no. And that's very much in line with the character in the comic books, you know, as far as finding that different way. And I think I think to me, what I'm really excited about is seeing Spider-Man not being afraid to go against the grain when he needs to. And that to me sticks is totally true to the character. And I'm really excited to see what options he gets to do something different and, and, and what, what have you. So I'm really excited. I, I can't wait to see what the, what, what the context of everything is. Cause we also see Spider-Man taking on Dr. Strange. Like you said, and different, different parts. And, I'm really, really happy to see excited to see where this goes with the characters. and and again, what that means for for Dr. Strange going forward, because we know again, I, I think this was supposed to come out um after. Uh, I' always forget if it's madness was supposed to come out first or this was always supposed to come out first. I don't remember. But either way, this will definitely help us inform. I think with, with reshoots or whatnot. I'm assuming help us really inform what Doctor Strange is going to be going through in his own movie later on. Which I, I'll be honest, if he really is giving Spider-Man this ultimatum of like, here's the you know black and white, makes, make this decision. Uh, I'm pretty sure Multiverse of Madness, he's going to have to make some really crappy decisions uh, that are going to affect him. And so maybe this will be something he'll take with him into his next movie and have to make him start thinking. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, but I think so. And I'm really excited. So I think this is actually a really exciting thing for a a real deeper theme movie. And people know I love my themes. So I'm really excited for this uh, part of the movie, to be honest.
0: This movie would have come out after Multiverse of Madness. That's what I thought. Were it not for the pandemic. That said, I think it's very much worth remembering that Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness had a big creative overhaul after they probably knew. And at least for a big chunk of that, they would have known that this movie wasn't going to come out before Spider-Man No Way Home. So I think that uh, whatever happened as far as the order of these things, they had the opportunity to account for that in the story, and it's ultimately going to work out better, I think, that this movie comes out before Multiverse of Madness, because this feels like the launch point for Multiverse of Madness, with all due respect to Loki, because Doctor Strange wasn't in that story. But here is Doctor Strange dealing with a multiversal threat, but at the same time, it feels like it's just scratching the surface. As big as this feels, it also still has that feeling of just scratching the surface of the multiverse and the dangers that lie within it. And so it seems like this one maybe ends with close call, but we resolved this enough for now, but there's still a lot of danger out there And so that is where Dr. Strange has to go off and confront that in Multiverse of Madness. And it may be as more of an abstract concept, or it could be something specific. I mean, for all we know, Peter Parker, Tom Holland, Spider-Man, sacrifices himself to the multiverse and gets lost within it, and Dr. Strange goes looking for him in Multiverse of Madness. Now, I don't think that would be the entire plot of Multiverse of Madness. I think even if Doctor Strange were searching for Spider-Man, Peter Parker in that movie, I think the plot would transition to him trying that there would be something else that he would have to deal with. And then the search for Spider-Man through the multiverse would continue from there. If this movie ends with Spider-Man taking off to maybe go hang out in the Sony universe for a little while before eventually making his way back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I don't really know that that's how it's going to play out. For all we know, they're just going to merge Sony's universe with the MCU, and that's just the way that it's going to be for now. I, I really don't know. Maybe we will get a better sense of that in uh, by the end of Spider-Man No Way Home. But that battle between the philosophical battle and then escalating to a physical battle, physical confrontations between Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, I think is very, very interesting. And it makes it really hard for me to track what order everything is happening in, in this trailer. We get that big battle sequence that it certainly has all the look, all the makings of a final battle around the Statue of Liberty with the cap shield and it falls down and we get that shot of Mm -hmm. Sandman, Electro and Lizard and then the even bigger shot of all them charging towards Spider-Man and him flying towards them. Just an incredible visual that I absolutely loved and blew me away in this trailer. And I, I think that that's really trying to make it feel like it's the big battle, and but it still seems like there's a whole other layer to it after that, and, and I don't really know. But also, all this stuff with Doctor Strange, when is all of this happening? Is it going to be Doctor Strange and Spider-Man kind of being at odds with each other for a little while, and then it cuts back to them teaming up at the very end? Like is doc, When Doctor Strange is saying that uh, they're starting to come through and he can't stop them. Is that also part of this battle? And and maybe that's before. When he says, I can't stop them, maybe that's when Sandman and Lizard and Electro come through. I mm-hmm. don't. Although it seems yeah. like Electro maybe has already been around. But then I'm also wondering when he says, starting to come through and I can't stop them, well, who is he talking about? Is it Sandman and Lizard or is it other mm-hmm. people who are going to come through? Um, and maybe some of those people would be here to help. Uh, I, I don't know. We will speculate about that a little bit before this podcast is done. But it, I like that this trailer has done, a, I think, a pretty good job of mm-hmm. making it a little more difficult to piece together exactly what's happening and when, as far as how this entire story is going to be laid out for us. And that is definitely something uh, that I uh, th- that I like, because what I I don't like having is watching, by the time we get to the second trailer for a movie... You can already tell, like, oh, this is how this plays it, out. Yeah. And I, I don't feel like I, ha- I have some sense of that, but I don't really feel like I have a firm grasp of it based on right. the first trailer or this new one.
1: That's a good point, because I like you said, it's really hard with, with this confrontation between him and Doctor Strange. It feels like there is a constant confrontation throughout the movie. So because of that, you don't really know what's going on. And it all but to me, the one thing I, I would I would say is that the my my guess would be when he says uh I they're still coming through, I can't stop them, whatever comes through takes all everything out of Doctor Strange of him trying to push it through and he gets overwhelmed and it knocks him out. That's why he's out of commission for a while. Mm. And then Spider-Man's up it's all up to him at that point, I would say. Mm. So that's what I would guess, but yeah. Besides that end scene, again, as far as we could, like, you said, Sean, as far as we can tell, is the end scene or end battle. I have no idea what's going on. Like I, like I'm really honestly super intrigued with with uh, the 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 battle. I'm assuming it's a battle between Spider Man and and Doctor Strange on the train. Like, what is that exactly? Like right. that to me, I'm really intrigued where where, where that's going because it doesn't. He doesn't have his uh his cape, um or a cloak, whatever. Um, and it's like man where where exactly is this and what's going on and 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 don't forget spider-man's costumes also changing throughout as we know right through it so it's like he's got the gold suit he's got the armored suit he's got the regular costume he's got the black and gold costume he's got i don't know what the hell's going on anymore so i mean there's a lot of it's hard to pinpoint exactly besides like the essentially as far as i can tell and maybe on whatever but is the beginning and the very end seem to be clear cut everything in between. I have no idea where it's going, like where it places, what's going on. And that's kind of the benefit of the movie, you know? Right. I mean, cause yeah, we know, we all know kind of a little bit of at least where it's going as far as beginning and the end. But that middle part is like, what? It's really kind of all over the place. And there's kind of, the, that's the exciting part is like how it all kind of gets there in the first place. So mm-hmm. Bravo to I think the trailer people that they're giving us stuff but without really giving much you know to go on and that makes it even more exciting from that standpoint, at least from that standpoint. So yeah, I'm totally with you on that one.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. It seems like there might be something that if we say this whole thing around the Statue of Liberty and you know the scaffolding around for the shield and that shot where the shield falls looks really great too. But if right. we say that all of this is kind of the the big climactic battle and it, it's certainly being made to look that way and for all I know, it, it totally is. It wouldn't shock me if it isn't though. It, it wouldn't shock me would if, there's a, mm-hmm. if there's a lot more movie after that battle.
1: but well, it's a long movie too, right?
0: Uh, I don't know if we do we have a runtime for it? We'll, we definitely will soon when tickets go on sale as far as what the like the confirmed runtime will be around before too long. but as far as that idea of Doctor. Strange being incapacitated, I like that because yeah, it, p- it puts it all on Spider-Man. But maybe it's really more like people named Spider Man, people named Peter Parker. If if <laughs> help comes through, and uh, but uh, again, I'm, I'm not there totally yet. But just I'm just I'm setting it up for this. We get that shot of MJ falling, and we get Peter, the Spider Man of this universe, Tom Holland, diving after her. And this is teasing a couple of different things in the history of the Spider-Man film franchise, and of course, historically with the comic books. We've seen two versions of this, of the death of Gwen Stacy, play out very differently in the history of this franchise. We had, not MJ, well, a different MJ, Mary Jane, Mm. in Spider-Man in 2002, falling and being caught. Um, She fell a few times and got caught, so she was always fine. But in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, Gwen Stacy falls and gets caught, but she still dies because, of course, she smacks her head and it just it doesn't go well. So the save doesn't totally work in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, as it didn't for Gwen Stacy in the comic books. So now we have uh, it's. It's one to one as far as and this is like the rubber match of what happens, of whether or not Spider-Man gets to save MJ <laughs> or gets to match. save, you know, or in the case, of the amazing Spider-Man Two, Gwen Stacy. How's it going to work out this time? And I certainly felt like as I was watching the trailer that. And go ahead and count it as a prediction, but this feels to me like Tom Holland, Spider-Man tries to save her misses, and Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man does. I I think this, to me, feels like the moment that sets up the... And maybe it's already happened in the movie. Maybe there are no other Spider-Men in this movie, because I'm not talking about anything else. Just looking at the rumors of what people have speculated about, of maybe being out there, because we have a movie that's dealing with the Spider-Man multiverse, and we have other iterations of characters coming through and being a part of this movie. So the obvious speculation and rumor and questions that have been going on Forever in association with this movie is toby Maguire spider-man showing up andrew garfield spider-man showing up if they're going to show up this seems like an incredible cinematic moment in which that could happen
1: yeah it i've heard the opposite i've heard people thinking andrew garfield will save um you know mary jane or mj in this and
0: well he's definitely the know, one who kind of you know needs to right because he right, didn't get to redemption. the first time
1: which, which would be really cool, to be honest. I, I really like that idea. And, you know, for me, I, I think that this is where it would all make sense to see here. Obviously, the rumors of them showing up and all that. It's where exactly they show up, how they show up is going to be really exciting if, if that does happen. Again, I'm assuming. But, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that it would be really cool to see Spider-Man fail but then another Spider-Man getting redemption. And then that being the reveal, like, oh, I've got help, you know, kind of a thing. So there's, I, I'm with you. It definitely, especially with, I, we see Ned at first as the one trying to save her. And then right. Peter's like, you know, then it shows Peter. But we also know how Marvel, and I'm assuming Sony's given Marvel carte blanche here at this point, to like basically say, you know, maybe, what, what if that's not Peter going to try to save her in that scene? You know, as, as they edit, there'll be a different edit. It'll be to somebody else as we have seen recently that maybe different edits and editing outs and whatnot could happen. So there's lots of possibilities. And I think that's what's really cool is, is I, I'm with you. I, I'd be fine with either one of them. I, I think it'd be really cool for Peter to basically, you know, multiple Peters showing up and trying to help out and save. Cause it does. They, there's a reason that Peter does have that line in the movie and they leave it in the trailer where he says, I can't save everybody. Right. And I think, that to me is a very much a foreshadow, obviously, of not just save everyone from like villains, but like the people he loves. He's talking to Aunt May, I believe, at that point. And that means that he's probably gonna get some help from other people. Right. So that to me would would definitely make a lot of sense in that case. One of them. I would prefer Andrew Garfield for that redemption personally, but I'll take Toby too. That's fine.
0: I totally buy into the theory of of why people think it would be the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. I just wonder if that sends maybe the wrong message. And I don't mean like this will harm society if we send this message. Not that. But having him save MJ almost creates the argument that he did that because he had to, because he had something he needed, was in need of redemption for. And I, I don't really know that that's true at least in the context of saving the woman that a Spider-Man loves who's falling. So I, I feel like where, I, I guess it's the visual similarity that feels a little bit more like, and, and because it's MJ, that it was Tobey Maguire Spider-Man who saved MJ before when she was falling. And so it kind of fits that it would be Tobey Maguire Spider-Man here. Um, but I also, in another part of the reason why I'm thinking that is if this is the moment where we first reveal that these guys are showing up, if it were up to me, and it's not, and it definitely shouldn't be, but I probably would reveal Toby before I revealed Andrew Garfield. Because I do feel like Toby Maguire's Spider-Man is the bigger reveal. And once you show Andrew Garfield's Spider Man, you've inherently like telegraphed, spoiled the reveal of, of Toby. So I, I think Toby Maguire shows up first, and that might be the moment That's where they point. show up yeah. first. Yeah. That's my reasoning for it, but it could go either way. It could go either one of those guys, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, they make the save with MJ, or it doesn't go either one of those ways. Tom Holland Spider-Man makes that save, and those guys show up elsewhere, or they don't show up at all, and I I do want to address that part of it, because I saw not, thankfully I didn't see as much as I thought we were going to. When we made it through that entire trailer, and we did not see Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield, I was expecting there would just be an avalanche of people being very, very angry with Sony and Marvel for not showing that in the trailer. And the arguments would be that the trailer was hyped up so much, they had a live event with Tom Holland to screen the trailer. Why wouldn't Tobey Maguire, why wouldn't you reveal the biggest possible thing that this movie has to reveal in the trailer if you're going to make this much of an event out of debuting the trailer and all of those things. And there was some of that, but thankfully, not nearly as much as I thought. That said, I think the reason why maybe some people were fine with not having those reveals in the trailer is because they still expect to see them in the movie and they... And they don't mind that Sony would hang on to because if they are indeed in the movie, then that's a huge surprise and worth Sony holding on to until people actually see the film. And I would credit Sony as the distributor of this movie, not Disney, Sony as the distributor of this movie for holding on to that and just letting people have that reveal on opening weekend when they see the movie for the first time. That's the way it should be done. And I'd be very happy about that. Where I'm a little bit concerned is if a lot of the rumors and assumptions that people have made don't ultimately come to fruition, whether that means Toby and Andrew Garfield don't show up, or they do show up, but it's very, very small, and it's not exactly what people think as far as this epic three Spider-Man team-up. Or going a step further than that, a lot of people speculating that Miles Morales is going to show up, that Sony and Marvel Studios cast a live-action Miles Morales, and they have successfully kept it a secret this entire time, and he's going to show up by the end of this movie and play a part in this finale, and people going even farther than that to say he's going to replace Tom Holland's Peter Parker in the MCU by the end of this movie, so that way Tom Holland's Peter Parker goes to the Sony universe for a little while, and then eventually you have Peter Parker and Miles Morales teaming up I understand why people speculate about that. I've had a lot of the same theories. I understand how our minds work and where they go. I would also just caution people to not necessarily assume that everything you think is going to happen and the biggest possible version of what this movie could be, that it's automatically going to be that, because it may not be all of those things. There might be some of these things we get and some of these things we don't, but Just remember when you watch the movie to evaluate it based on what it is, not based on what you thought it would be, because you read a bunch of rumors or paid attention to a bunch of supposed leaks that some of which may be true, some of which may not necessarily be true. And, you know, they've done, I I think the studios, Marvel and Sony, have done their best to try and manage this situation because certainly a lot of expectations and speculation about this movie have been out of control, even by MCU fandom standards. It's just been pretty wild. And so I, I'm looking at this trailer with all the pieces that they've shown us on the board right now. All of that's enough for me. All of that looks incredibly exciting. And I'm excited for that movie. And if we get even more than that, that uh, comes through the multiverse and other characters, other iterations of characters pop up, and play a significant part in this movie, or at least in the finale of this movie, I will be as happy about that as as anyone, but I'm also happy to watch exactly what's being presented here in this trailer. So yes, we can be super excited and we can expect a a really great movie, hopefully one that is as great as this trailer looks, but also keep expectations uh, uh, in, in check a little bit so we can have exciting surprises and not necessarily... Um, any disappointments stemming from false rumors or false assumptions?
1: It, you know, and that's something I struggle with definitely. Sean, back in the early days of Star Wars and The Force Awakens, and having my expectations and, and it, it's and let me let me tell you right now, I don't blame people for getting excited and having their assumptions and reading spoilers and things like that, but it's you get, it really is about just tempering your expectations you could want something but don't expect it to happen either because unfortunately it's just reality of things are not always going to be exactly the way you want it to and if it does rad and i'm really happy for you but as my experience in these franchise tentpole films you know it's kind of a 50 50 something or a lot of times it's things that i kind of wanted to have happen kind of happen but not exactly the way i wanted to uh the sequel trilogy is a great example of that and again i, I there's there's nothing wrong with what I think, um, you know, speculating and, ha- and having fun. I, and I know I've seen people on different places say speculate, you know, responsibly and I think that's admirable and everything, but really do what you got to do, but just be aware that your speculation you know, could potentially temper your expectations or affect your expectations. And you got to be careful because you're, unfortunately, the people making this film may not have exactly your thoughts in mind. And that's, it seems obvious, but for some people, like, again, you just get overwhelmed with excitement and hype. And and that's what I think I'm, I'm also very worried about myself, Sean, is that things don't go their way how are people going to react because it, it may not be, I, I I'll be honest right now. I would not expect miles Morales in this movie at all. It, it's, it, I mean, and realistically think about it. I'd just be too much While a wall. We've heard in, 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 this movie, it'd just be way too much. And I just don't think it's fair to expect those things. So just temper your enthusiasm and, and go in and like you, uh, you said, Sean, look at the movie at what we get and, and judge it based on that. Not exactly what your desires are. Um, And just, know, it's just going to have to kind of go roll with it, you know, and and that to me is ultimately what you have to do. And I'm excited for what we're going to get. But, yeah, don't don't expect what you want exactly is going to happen because it it may may not the way you want it to. So. Right. But, yeah, I temper those expectations, but still have fun with it. But just don't expect everything verbatim.
0: Well, just question whether or not your expectations are based on what you've actually seen presented officially from the studio, Mm -hmm. from the movie, like what's actually been presented to you in an official format versus what you've just read elsewhere. And the stuff that you've read elsewhere, maybe don't get too attached. And same thing for speculation. I'm not telling anyone not to speculate. We do it on this show all the time.
1: Constantly, yeah, all the I time. I did it
0: here. I said, this is the moment where I think that if there's a, if Toby Maguire is going to show up or Andrew Garfield is going to show up, this is where I think it would happen. This seems like it could be the setup for the moment. So it would be ridiculous for me to go through that and then try to say, don't speculate. Speculate wildly. My point is, speculate all you want, just don't get attached. Right. Don't get attached to this idea in your head of what you think is going to happen, because it may not necessarily be that. So even though I can speculate ab- about a point where I think maybe Tobey Maguire Spider-Man or Andrew Garfield Spider-Man might show up, I'm not getting attached to the idea that that's when they would show up or that they would show up at all, or if they do, what exactly that would mean or how that would play out in the movie. So you can speculate and have theories and make predictions and all of that stuff, not here to tell anybody how to be a fan, uh, except for this one thing where I do say uh, for, and it's really more for your own benefit than anything else. Mm -hmm. And this is a practice that I've talked about this on the Patreon. It's been uh, a practice of mine since 2012. The first time I can remember doing this was in the theater, sitting down next to our buddy, Justin Bolger at the (laughs) universal, universal city walk IMAX. The first time we were going to watch the dark Knight rises And, you know, it was after four years of speculation of what the finale was going to be of that trilogy. And I'm not here to relitigate anyone's opinions of that film, but (laughs) just the experience of watching it and knowing that that was a movie that I speculated about a lot and had a lot of expectations about and all of those things. And I talked about this in the run up to Infinity War and Endgame as well, where when there's a movie that I have a lot of expectations for that I've speculated a lot about that's highly anticipated. My practice that I have found works for me is to take a little moment, you know, a little meditation moment before the movie's going to start and just make a commitment just internally in my own mind to just let that all go. Regardless, whatever my expectations are in my head of what I think is going to happen in this movie or what might happen or what I desperately want to happen, I let that all go and I just make a conscious choice to let that go so I can just watch the movie as it's presented and evaluate it on its own terms and experience it on its own terms so that that way I don't let what's in my own head get in the way of my ability to enjoy a movie that I have very much been looking forward to. So you can take that advice or say it's nonsense and go back on about your daily life totally fine. Uh, Take it or leave it. But uh, just to sum up some thoughts on this trailer... I was very, very impressed by it, and it certainly elevated my excitement for the movie. My expectations were were still high, but not necessarily as high as I, I felt like I wanted them to be after, just based on my response to the first trailer. And this didn't answer every question from the first trailer, but it made me feel better about some of the concerns I had coming out of the first one, and then just the visual feast that this trailer was and the potential storytelling, thematic, emotional character development feast that uh, could be presented here. I mean, we didn't even really talk about, and might as well do it now. I mean, it doesn't even look like Otto Octavius is going to be an enemy for much of this film. It looks like Mm -hmm. it's setting up a team-up with this character, which makes sense. Longtime listeners will know I'm not a huge fan of sympathetic Dr. Octopus and Spider-Man 2. It's part of the reason why I don't love that movie as much as everyone else does. There's nothing wrong with it from a storytelling perspective or cer- and certainly not from a performance perspective. Alfred Molina is great in Spider-Man 2 and he looks and sounds great in mm-hmm. Spider-Man No Way Home. It's just not my favorite choice for that character. and But that's where they are now. That's what happened in Spider-Man 2 and that is the iteration mm-hmm. that's being brought forward into Spider-Man No Way Home. So they need to stick with that. And it does make sense that this Dr. Octopus, initially, from whatever moment in his life, in his timeline that he was pulled out of, where initially he's in confrontation mode with Spider-Man, but then maybe transitions to something else to be to make the self-sacrificing hero turn that we saw him make at the very end of Spider-Man 2. It's carrying forward the spirit of that and possibly teaming up with Tom Holland Spider-Man, at least in some parts of uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. That I really liked, and I think that's that's working really well for me in this trailer. And just overall, uh, I thought this trailer was really great, and I'm so excited about seeing this movie. But I'm also very happy that we have something else to occupy our time and our attention starting this week when two episodes of Hawkeye drop on Wednesday.
1: Whew. Oh, God, I keep forgetting about that. Yeah, to the, the sum up my thoughts on the Dr. Octopus thing... Um, like you, Sean, not my favorite interpretation of the character. That being said, it makes sense for this specific iteration of the character. And I think it, you know, I'm I'm interested to see how it plays out. And I'm curious, um, as we see in the trailer, which by the way, I didn't comment about this. I love the electro look of this, this Mm -hmm. different version of him. And also love the fact that when mcu gets them they've managed to still keep it in uh they touch a easter egg the costume from the previous you know marvel costume which is ridiculous and you could you you couldn't even fathom how they could do it and marvel manages to do it and when sony back in the day you know decided to make him blue and make him look like i don't know uh, what the hell that was but yeah like it's just ridiculous how ridiculous Marvel gets it and and people outside of Marvel, not just Sony, but a lot of people don't get superhero costumes and how to bring them in to you know, make them realistic or at least get Easter eggs to it. But I digress. But um, as far as this trailer goes, I loved it. I, I loved everything about it. Uh, it was really nice to get more essence of the story. I also love the fact that we don't, I don't really know exactly what's going on completely. And I think that's really exciting. And I think this was a really great way to get people excited for the movie without revealing every single detail, and I'm honestly good with not seeing any more trailers. I'm, I'm I've already had my money. I'm excited, so I, I, yeah, I, I think this is a, a home run. I, I think honestly, a much better trailer in all sense of the sense of the word than the previous one. I know it's hard to compare trailers, you know, because this one's obviously meant to give more information. But I think overall, this just you get a better feel for what's going on in this movie, and I'm, it makes me even more excited. So, but yeah, I also super exciting because we've got a lot of work ahead of us, right? We've got Hawkeye episodes coming up. It's gonna be never a dull moment in the MCU fan show, right, Sean? Never That's a dull right. moment. I mean,
0: this is our this is the rest of our year is we have yeah, oh, 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 poor us, you know, uh, but we yeah, have exactly. to. Uh, we got to do two shows next week to cover Woo! the uh, first two episodes of Hawkeye that are dropping on uh, Disney+. Plus. Uh, I've seen them. I really like them. I can't really say anything other than that because I can only give a very brief reaction. I can't give a non-spoiler review yet because the embargo uh, hasn't lifted yet. But anyway, I'm very excited to talk about those episodes in full detail and then talk about Hawkeye. Uh, each and every week for the next several weeks. And then, yeah, there will be another week where we have to double up on episodes because during, uh, well, let's see, it will be the fifth episode of Hawkeye that would show up on Wednesday the 15th, and then on Friday the 17th we will have Spider-Man No Way Home. So there's a lot of MCU fan show on the way, a lot of spoiler reviews coming your way. To finish out the year and that's really been most of our year spoiler reviews for the MCU which um, it seems like that's the way it should have always been but we didn't always have enough movies and we didn't certainly didn't have episodes of series until this year uh, to do all of these spoiler breakdowns it's mm-hmm. been so much fun to do that and somehow we were able to have an episode of a trailer that you know we have we have spoiler reviews for entire shows that go like two hours, but I mean, now we have a three-minute trailer and we're pushing an hour and a half. But I think, you know, last time we talked about a two-minute trailer, it took us about an hour. So really a- along that same math, that same pattern, this should have been a full hour and a half show, and it's not going to be. So I'm proud of us. I think we're making yeah. progress and being a lot more concise. I think, you know, yes. brevity has never been our strong suit and never will nope. be, uh, yep. but we're getting a little bit better day by day, show by show. Um, But uh, yeah, all bets are off when we have to go full on spoiler detail to talk about Hawkeye and this movie, Spider-Man No Way Home. And based on everything we're seeing in this movie and things we're not seeing yet that we might see, don't get too attached, but maybe we will. I don't even want to think about how long the Spider-Man No Way Home spoiler review may need to be. It's going to get
1: it's going to get to not maybe not end games. We had an extra person there. Yep. But if it's just me and you, it it I, I close to three hours is, is definitely doable. I'm not saying I'm going to aim for that. I'm going to just do my thing and do you're going to do your thing. But I would not be shocked if it was three hours easy.
0: It could take a while. So, uh, you know, when that when you see that episode drop, just, you know, make sure you set aside the time for it. So, uh, you know, be mm-hmm. be ready for that. But hopefully you enjoyed this episode of MCU Fan Show with our thoughts on the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Like Paul, I kind of plan to ignore the rest of what they want to put out from this movie until December 17th. I know they've already put out Mm. a couple of TV spots, and I've not looked at them. I think I'm done uh, until Mm. we get a chance to see the entire movie. But hopefully you enjoyed uh, our breakdown. I hope you will check out and enjoy Fan Show Plus, whether that's at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber. Or on Apple Podcasts, search Fan Show Plus or the MCU Fan Show channel on Apple Podcasts. You can find that premium show over there. In the next episode, as I've said, I'll talk about Delroy Lindo uh, joining Mahershala Ali in Blade, as well as Sabine Wren. We've now had it confirmed that she will be a major character in the Ahsoka Disney Plus series. So I will be talking about that. And any other news that may pop up between the end of this recording and the start of that one, and then continue to follow us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Twitter and Instagram. Paul, where can they find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, AKA Thug. Also find my uh, YouTube channel, The Comic Binge. That's also on YouTube, or also on YouTube, YouTube uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Put those uh, letters in, or letters, those words in, and then you'll find uh, the logo. Follow us there. And also check out my uh, new webcomic, Space Demons. It's on Webtoons. Just type in Space Demons. You'll, you'll find it. The first part one uh, just dropped. Hoping to drop part two in the next couple of weeks. But anyone who's already kind of went and subscribed to it and really appreciate you. Yeah, seriously, it means a lot. And anyone who want to leave a, a comment, rate it. That helps it too. But yeah, more comic stuff coming from me. And again, thank you for everyone who's already uh, checked it out.
0: And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time for Hawkeye.